Wow. It's time for another Eastern Target podcast. Hi, I'm George Techmichev here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson, and it's podcast number 73, I think. Anyway, twirling of arrows has become a problem with archers being hit on the shooting line. There have been arrows flung out in front of the line and behind the line. One young adult archer leaving the line turned into an archer twirling an arrow that glanced off his glasses and hit in the forehead, bringing blood. A video shows a youth being hit by a twirled arrow after reporting to the line judge that she'd been hit four times already. In another instance, a line judge making his way to an equipment failure was hit. We need it to stop from the pros all the way down to the cubs. It is a safety issue. It may stop a lawsuit someday before an archer loses an eye or otherwise hurt. We're all going to be required to wear safety glasses and other BS type stuff soon. You know what? That's a verbatim quote. Make it, you know, you want to grow the pro class? Only the pros can twirl. There, problem solved. Agreed. Problem once solved. you have your pro card. Once you have $75, you can twirl your arrow again. I totally agree. Twirling of arrows. That's what the NFAA just acted on. And this is the biggest and here's conversation the rule. on the interwebs today. Uh, what, any Anything to do with archery? Absolutely. It's the biggest discussion that has taken place in the sport of archery in terms of the sheer number of social media posts that I have seen. Yeah. More than any of the cheating scandals, more than drug testing at the Vegas shoot, more than anything I have seen. It's Article 2, A11. Here's the rule. No arrow twirling or handling of arrows in an unsafe way. A warning will be given on the first instance. Second instance will require removal of archer from the event. Now, let me just ask you one thing, and, and this, this has a parallel to real life, not just archery. Don't we already have a rule that covers this? Yeah, don't hit people with your arrow. Yeah, exactly. It's right? like don't murder people. Right, right. Do we need any rules as to how people can get murdered? No. God. That's my point, and your point too, I think. It's government overreach at its finest. And in this case, you had 15 otherwise rational people looking at this thing and going, oh, that's a good idea. We need another rule. You know, I think there's, I'm just going to say it. There's a lot of, probably won't be popular for this, but I don't know if these people listen to podcasts. When's the last time you cared? Yeah, I don't care. There's a lot of people who are, you know, grumpy frumpity old men who see this stuff going on and they don't like it i saw one guy say that he was going to kick somebody's chair if they brought it too close to the shooting stake once he was beyond senior level like, i mean rather than just have a kind conversation hey do you mind moving your chair it's a little close i can't get to the stake yeah he was going to kick it because you know it's in the way i don't know makes me it's a lack what? of civility. i think i gotta involve myself more I got to get involved. Maybe you should run for a board. We have a, in here in Utah, we have a good representative. So I'm not going to do any NFAA, uh, you know, like state director or anything like that. I'm not going to do that, but I got to get involved somehow. I don't know. There was some other stuff got brought up at the pro meeting that I'm like, this has nothing to do with professional archery. Why is this being discussed? This is government overreach. You know, nothing I hate more. Well, and, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be 
a certain number of people who've got this move where they kind of take the arrow out of their generally field quiver yeah, and flip it around because it's faster and easier to just flip it around. Now, some people have gotten, shall we say, flamboyant with this. I get that, right? And actually, I, I get it from a number of points of view. It's good for your confidence, right? You're 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 in a one-on-one match in Neem, and you are like shooting in me. front of a crowd of three thousand people. You know, you've worked to get there, and you're doing something the crowd might like. Well, if you're in Neem doing it, do it all you want. Yeah, because Neem's not an NFAA event. However, <laughs> Vegas, v- Vegas is, but Saturday night at Vegas, you twirl because it's world twirl archery. your heart out because it's world yeah. archery rules. WA twirl so till you far can't as, twirl anymore. So I, you know what we got to do is we got to ask Tom Dillon what he thinks. Uh, I don't. I don't. Or should we just let that sleeping dog lie? Yeah, let it lie. Here's what we really, absolutely must do. Imperative. We get Clint, guy who designs quivers and oh, stuff. Yeah. We put an anti-twirl device on all quivers. That's it. So you That's can't the solution. Pull out the arrow and twirl it. Would it be magnetic? We must stand in the way of archers. arrow twirling choosing to twirl or not um they certainly can't be trusted to do it so we as the manufacturer of the product we must stop them oh yeah sure you know we must put a device on there to prevent this like when bill ruger decided 10 rounds is enough in a magazine for a for a pistol nobody needs more than 10 rounds did you know that that actually happened <laughs> that was a firearms manufacturer that made that choice i mean so we need a a quiver that prevents twirling yeah yeah i'm thinking some type of a hoop device like a mini hula hoop surrounding the quiver sure um you know you know what even better how about 36 inches between archers instead of 12 yeah give us some space one two uh we should all just put arrow tubes on the ground like um nasp yeah and our bows must be on our toes ground quivers yes Cannot cannot load uh, in any fancy schmancy manner. No, there you know. go. That solves everything, doesn't do we, it? Do we have anything else to podcast about? No, I don't think I, so. I think we're done. End of show. Brady Ellison, <laughs> national champion again. Yeah. Pretty pretty cool. You went to the nationals in uh, Ohio. Uh, I was there. Yeah, hundred thirty fifth U.S. national target championship. Hundred thirty five of them. Brady Ellison, the man on the recurve stand once again, and um. Props to Justin Hewish. He finished thirty uh, sixth at nationals, which is mm. you think about that. That's pretty cool. A few other, a uh, few other old names from the past. We saw that uh, Jacob Wookie's back and shooting. He's he was eighth, and um, Vic Wonderly, the silver medalists of the Sydney Olympic Games. Vic was fifteenth. So uh, a number of guys are coming back out of the woodwork. It seems to get ready for. Uh, for the Olympic trials, trials process, the, Butch Johnson was yeah. in there. Butch finished 31st at this thing. So, this was uh, part of trials, actually. Yeah, that's so, right. So it's interesting. You know, there was some, um, like, Crystal Govan finished third. Yeah, which is pretty impressive, actually. Very impressive. She was. She said it's, like, her her most proud moment in archery, probably. Well, I, I don't blame her in the least. Casey yeah. Coffold taking uh, first place for the American women at the U.S. Nationals. But as you mentioned, Crystal Galvin uh, – Eliana Klaps was uh, second. Crystal Gavin was third. Uh, I would I would venture to say we had a few new names coming up in the top ten in the women. So there's um, yeah, Eliana's young. We've yeah. got we've got some promise being shown now. Um, you know, historically we've always had some promise being shown in our young recurve archers, mm-hmm. and then they hit college age, and life gets in the way, and 
oftentimes, you know, maybe one in 10 continues along sure. that path. But, sure. um, oh, so interesting, uh, Casey. So now in trials process, right? I think this was a half point. So a half points event. So normally if you're in trials, the qualification round first place gets eight points. Sometimes they break it down all the way to 16. So second would get seven and a half, third, seven and so forth. Um, there's also bonus points for your score. So Casey winning nationals, she got four points. There's a little confusion. Uh, and I don't know how this is going to play out and I'm sure it will be shown at some point, but she got, I believe three points from the qualification round one day and two points the other because she had the score bonus. So she actually, if that is the case, if that is how it works out, she got more points from score than she did for winning, which I don't think was the intent when they go to a half point, uh, you know, first trials. Yeah, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be rewarding the ability to win a match. Yeah, so she's she could be sitting in a really good position for that now qualified single single American spot. women's qualified yeah. spot. Yes, and the same goes for the men. We have a single men's qualified spot right now for, uh, for yep. the American team. So yeah, uh, Casey doing quite well, and um, we're just gonna keep an eye on her. And I mean, definitely outclass the rest of the field, but. Uh, She's shooting well at, at Junior Worlds as we, yeah, um, as we speak today. She shot today. good, you know, about four hours ago. Yeah, yeah I, she's doing I well. saw that. She's doing quite well. So that's that's very positive, and uh, we'll just cheer her on as it continues, along with the other American women who are trying to make their way to at least one slot in the uh, for the Tokyo Olympic Games coming up next year. How about uh, how about the compounds? What uh, Lewis Price dominated. So he won every. Well, he didn't win mixed team, but he won team. He won U.S. Open. He Lewis won is pretty young nationals. guy, right? He's, he's like 20, I don't know. Getting started, 22, though. 22, 23. He's always been really talented. Yeah, yeah, his dad zoned a shop, um, Heritage Outdoor Sports, I think is the name of it. And uh, really good family. I really like Lewis. I really like his dad. I do the NFA Youth Academy. His dad runs it. His dad, Mike Price. Super good, super good dudes. So... I was really happy for Lewis. Um, he he's one of those guys who it's like it's a no no doubt he was going to win one sooner or later. You know he's had a few seconds, a few thirds, but usually those come on the heels of one you know triple bogey type mistake. So he's just burning up the course and then he has a big mistake and those eventually get eliminated. And he eliminated. He shot one fifty eight the whole weekend, I think. You know, in qualification through through twenty four ends, he was fifty nines and sixties minus one. That is impressive, and it was quite the the windy end. His uh, X count uh, classed the rest of the field by a considerable margin. He had uh, sixty four X's in his uh, in his four rounds. Yeah, thirty two per day. I mean, you know, if you're if you're shooting well, you're usually hitting about half. Maybe you know he's just a tick under half, but nine point nine average arrow. Yeah, he shot really well, and then it got. You know, U.S. Open, which is the, basically the name for the elimination rounds, they split it into two tournaments. Yeah, which is good because you get the national championship off of the qualifying round, and then yeah. you get a separate title for the U.S. Open. Right, and Brady, that's how it's by always the way, been. took both, yeah. Yeah, and I, I've always liked that. I thought it's cool. Um, now, the, this tournament, in terms of USAT ranking for our team qualifiers for World Cups, it plays the same as the rest. 
you could go into whether that's good or bad. I don't know. But you are required to attend this one. You must attend this one to qualify for a team. Right. And from the perspective of participation, it's been growing and growing and growing every year. This time they had yeah. some, like pushing 900 participants, which is huge. Was it that many? I, mean, I didn't what think I, it was that many. Well, and you consider all of the guests and all of the categories, mm-hmm. the juniors that are there. The uh, yeah, they got barebo, they got seniors, they got a bunch of different categories, right? So, um, yeah, I heard there was, you know, there was like a hundred and thirty something recurve men. I think. Yeah, and I heard there was some the, some upset folk that. There was a cut to 64. Okay, but they put that in the rules, right? They told people up front. Up. Yes, 64 was going to be the cut. So a lot of people are like, well, how come they couldn't have a you know a loser's bracket or something like that? And you know, I, I guess I understand that question. But having participated in putting some of this stuff on, I can tell you that that has the potential to add a, an entire extra day to an event. It would add an extra day just like it does at the World Cup. You know, it... Uh yeah, at the World Cup, you have to shoot those. If you go to the 104 cut or whatever it is, you have to shoot those the day prior. Yeah, the 104 and the protected eight. Yeah, and yeah, it's a. It, I'm fine with it how it is. 64 is enough. I don't. <laughs> this isn't a world championship level talent pool, so you're not going to get like a, you know, number 72 coming up and making a medal match. It's, it it happens at the World Championships. It happened this year. 68 in the men's compound made the gold medal final. Occasionally it happens, yeah. But that's a lot different than, you know, being a singular country shoot. So. Look, here's the deal. I, and it's my turn now to be unpopular. More unpopular. Your turn? My turn. It was your turn first. You said earlier you were going to make yourself unpopular by saying, now it's my turn. <laughs> I didn't know you would stop. But, you know, oh, uh, oh good point. Good point. What was I thinking? Sorry, that was- anyway, um, if, you, if you don't score 1,000 points and you go to nationals – you're wasting your money. You or might you're be there for the participation. Or you're, have, you're, you're there to have fun or you're there yeah. to participate. Don't whine that you didn't get to play in the Olympic round. Because <laughs> it's not going to do any good. Yeah. You know. I mean, yeah. Sorry. You know, maybe they give those people a nice spectator tent and you can sit under there and like drink, oh, sure. drink beer and oh, now there's nachos. A, I like that. No well, one would complain then. Fewer people would complain. Well, yeah. How about this? How about this? A regional, so some type of qualification system, right? If you go to a USAT and you shoot the minimum qualifying score, you're qualified for nationals. If you do not go to a USAT, but you go to your regional qualifier, shoot the minimum minimum qualifying score or placement, right? Say regionals take the top 32, you qualify for for nationals or everybody above a certain score. Right. Maybe it may, it gives meaning to nationals at that point. Okay. So, yeah, I've been saying for a long time that nationals, like every other country practically in world archery, you have to be qualified to shoot your country's nationals. Uh, and every other sport. Yeah, pretty much. I can't go to the U.S. Open. I have to go to U.S. Open qualifiers. Right. In and, golf. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I'm sure the same is true in any other sport. Um, but in particular, we have a situation where – you know, basically you pay your entry fee and you can show up and you could be on the same target as Steve Anderson or, or you know, Jimmy Lutz or whoever, and you could find yourself in that situation. And people have said for a long time, and I'd say correctly, that that's one of the benefits of the way that we do what we do. Well, it's a benefit for the person who gets to do it. It's not necessarily a benefit for, 
you know, the, uh, the pro shooter who's got to be on that target with somebody who's shooting 200 points lower. But with that said, I believe that one thing that we've lost in this country is that Olympic um, festival system that we used to have before that was called National Sports Festival where you had a regional event taking place and you'd go to your regionals and you'd qualify and then you'd qualify to go to the national event. That gave you a stepping stone. I think there'd be more participation in target archery overall and the participation at nationals would not be adversely affected in a way that would cost the NAA money because they're losing money with the more pe- at a certain point you got so many people at this thing that you need such a big venue that you're never going to make money doing the thing no matter what you charge within reason so you find yourself having to do a tremendous amount of outlay to accommodate everybody who wants to be there instead set up a minimum qualifying score that's achievable at a local event that meets whatever criteria are in place for the event. It's got to have at least one judge, et cetera. And once you meet that qualifying score and you set it as an attainable score, you're going to have more people turning out for that local event. Mm-hmm. You're going to have more people wanting to go to nationals after they've obtained their MQS. Yeah. Cause they, they go, Hey, I, I qualified. I qualified. You know, Why waste that opportunity? Now this. I'm going to yeah. go. Exactly. But, you know, until that's done, you're just going to have a situation where you're going to have cuts to 64 and unhappy people. The first, uh, the first deflection of that idea will be scheduling conflicts. You know, people say, oh, there's too many events, you know, blah, blah, blah. We don't have anywhere to put it. We don't have any time. I don't know. Well, there's, again, I, I think there's events, there's local tournaments in every region. People should, look, when I lived in California, um, a fellow by the name of Carl Ratty used to set up a tournament every single weekend. And he'd put that thing on whether there were three people there or 30 people there. And, you know, Carl, those of you who know who Carl Ratty was, was one of the hardest working people in our sport and a rare, rare asset in our sport. But uh, the reality is that it's not that hard to put on a tournament if you have a place to shoot that would meet the specs from the standpoint of, you know, what Carl put on was registered with the NAA at the time. Mm-hmm. So they counted toward, you know, NAA achievement, whatever. Yeah. Did you shoot us, you know, a star feed around or whatever the, you know, the world archery certification is okay. That would right. count. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It should be something that's happening regularly. There's a period of time I considered, you know, ho- trying to host 1440 rounds, um, like at the Easton center here, it'd be a good, you know, Saturday morning type thing. If in out there, you could do it fairly quickly just oh, yeah. because of the fact you have enough field to yeah. shoot one line. Target butts are there, yeah. ready to go. Yeah. And then if you do it often enough, you know, this is what they, you know, this is how they're breaking 1440 world records over in Netherlands. They're doing it with enough frequency. Eventually they get that exactly. day. Exactly. Now they've got the conditions and they've got archers who shoot it enough and they're going to do well. Exactly. And the more you do it, the, the better you get. And mm-hmm. that's just how it is. And you find yourself, you know, um, Instead of going to nationals and having that be, you know, throw, talk about getting thrown in the deep end. Now you've worked yourself up to a certain level and you have more experience before you go and you, you know, you've mm-hmm. spent a lot of money to go to nationals, right? Mm-hmm. In, in, in a, let's say that you come from the West Coast, you know, between airfare, hotel, rental car, all the other stuff that goes with yeah. it. You know. I mean, we do it indoor. 
right? Essentially, you know, a bunch of regional events, and then uh, now a that's, final. Yeah, that only has eight now people, that they have a final, but, yeah. You know that that could be done on a much larger scale if so desired. Yeah, that's an alternate solution. Uh, it's separate than crowning the champion at the single event. But you know, again, all I'm saying is have some qualifications, have people able to get more experience before going and throwing themselves into the deep end of the pool. And I think that if that were the case, I believe that you'd find everybody would have a better a better time, a better, more enjoyable time. My time would be better and more enjoyable. Enough said there. You know what else would make my time better and more enjoyable? If people would quit turning the heat on on 98-degree days in Salt Lake City. Uh-huh, yeah. Someone uh-huh. turns the heat on in the freaking office. I noticed that. I I was sitting in the office, and suddenly I noticed it feels really warm in here. What's going on? We have some people that uh, maybe they've got a condition or something, and they they feel the need to fiddle with a thermostat. It's unacceptable. You know what's unacceptable? Did you see what the sprinklers were doing today? They were testing them. I called you about that. You did. It's they 100 were, degrees. They were out. Uh, yeah, I saw one of the maintenance guys testing. Spraying like he water was, he was into the parking something. lot all over my VFR. Right. Yeah. I was not happy. I That's why I called you. And I thank you for that. Figured you'd hit it with some top coat F11. Been seeing a lot of those I, uh, I, ads on Facebook. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't use that. But uh, <laughs> I did get the water spots off it before they turned into a permanent feature. Yeah. Because that's hard water and it was a bright sun and that's a bad thing on paint. What yeah. else we got? Oh, man, I don't even know. It's uh Hey, you know what we just launched? Oh yeah, we have a new product. Oh yeah, well, we got two new products. What? One of which is an old product with a bold new colors. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to beat that old product. Well, it's regardless of colors, it's still the most winning arrow there is uh, mm-hmm. in terms of indoor. You know, so we yeah we uh, we changed up the X twenty three and the X twenty seven, and just announced it uh, today as we record. So it's on uh, it's on the Eastern Target, it's on the Eastern Archery website there. And so what we've done is we've got, and this was by popular demand. This was our shooters asking for this. Yeah, everybody wanted the. Uh, they want black in the front. They wanted the arrows back in black, so. And we, so it's black yeah. in the front and silver in the rear. Hard Still code got anodized. that distinction, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it's very. You know, it's a unique looking arrow. Two tone. Yeah. So I I really like the look of those. Yeah. I'm excited to. Uh, but the specs are exactly the same. The tune's yeah, exactly I mean, the same. It's, it's black in the front and silver in the rear. So. You know, that's if you if you want a black front arrow, now you've got a choice. If you still want the silver ones, they're probably still available. I bet they are. And then the uh, the real new product is the uh, the new RX seven. Did we talk about that in the last podcast? I don't know if we did or not. Man, I don't think we did. I'll bet we didn't. So the RX seven, it's a uh, you know in previous podcasts, Steve and I have talked about how you know in the past we've tested tapered arrows and barreled arrows and and things of that nature. Not just you know like the X ten is barreled, right? But we had built barreled aluminum arrows back in the day. Well, the RX seven is essentially a rear tapered arrow, and the idea is that you can shoot say a twenty three size arrow right now in a in a bow weight that would require you to throw say two or three hundred grains up front. Now you can shoot that arrow with a normal amount of point weight, which is a lot less critical because if you get your release a little bit and you've got a ton of point weight, the arrow is going to bend differently. 
And that is the reason why less point weight up to a certain level yeah. can be better. So we've got them in three sizes, too, yeah. those RX-7s. Yeah, so we got the uh, we got the three sizes, and all the info is on the Easton Archery website. And I've been getting questions from people, Steve, uh, how come we can't use these for compound? You can. Yeah. We happen to be we happen to be couching this as a recurve product, but the reality is they'll work just fine for compound. There's going to be a lot of compounders use them. There's a lot of compounders, especially in Europe, where they're shooting the straw tech or Stramit bales. Yep. And they want that thicker wall of the 2315 holds up better and it might be a little stiff for him that 2315 it's like a 340 spine right yep so like peter elzinga he i first guy i ordered some of these for was not a recurver it was peter elzinga so he's probably the perfect guy yeah he would be better off far better off with a uh, a weaker spine and peter's got what a 27 inch draw maybe thereabouts yeah. yeah so he's gonna figure out you know what kind of point weight there's a lot of different ways you know a compound guy could approach these cutting from the front cutting from the back yeah you know i don't want it to get too complex no but uh you know i would suggest just cutting from the front entirely yeah Uh, keep it simple but hopefully peter can get some good feedback you know for compound setups and what kind of point weight he's using and we'll have a few guys you know Everybody with a different bow is going to see a little bit different result as to what is ideal. So just like we did today with the, the 2315, you know, everybody kind of knows a good recipe that will, that will come to be with the RX-7 as well. No doubt about it. So um, in terms of where we're headed the rest of the season, we've got only a few more things to go, as it were. Um as we start to close out what has been maybe the busiest outdoor season that I can remember in quite a while. World Cup final is one of the big things coming up. 3D season's pretty well wound down. Done. All of the uh, shooters of the year have been named and all of the uh, titles have been given, and so that's all done. You're looking at uh, youth world championships taking place as we record, and by the time that's all done, we'll see who's, you know, who's... uh, who's doing well in Madrid. But uh, right now, your favorite archer from Turkey, Mete Gadzos. Meet. He is uh, the number one qualifier at the Youth World Championship, which is pretty impressive when you consider, um, you know, the pressure of getting ahead of the Korean team. But uh, Mete shot a 674, and the next highest score is a 662 from a Korean named Zhang Min-hee. So... Mm. So that's pretty good. That's pretty solid shooting a 674. I think that's, that's yeah, not I mean, bad at all. Even if the conditions are completely perfect and you shoot 674, you're, you know, you're well, still probably. It was windy. In the, I heard it. Yeah, I heard he likes some it. wind. He likes it when it's windy. It seems that um, that he didn't mind being windy, being in a windy windy conditions, I should say. Mm, I think people say that. Right. Well, I, I used to say it. I used to think it was a good thing. Look at this wind outside. It's bending over these reeds. It sure is. Look at that. Some cattail reeds out in the ditch. Just yeah. As we look across from the luxury Easton legacy room, out the parking lot, over the Challenger Road to the field of reeds. Yeah. We can see the, uh, not a cloud in the sky, by the way. 100 Fahrenheit out there. Is it? Well, it's pushing it. Yeah. I bet it is. That's why somebody turned the heat on. Yeah. Death to that person. Well, 96. 
96 Fahrenheit. It's all the same. It's yeah. all the same when you're in 90 plus and the heater is running. Well, and so, you know, you got to figure as we were talking about Madrid, you know, it's going to be warm there and breezy. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know anything about Madrid. Yeah. Other than they've got a couple soccer teams. Jangman He, the uh, recurve junior women's qualification leader from Korea. Um, got a second place there from Elisa Tartler of Germany. And then another Korean archer, Lee Gahyun, was third. And the scores were not as high as you might expect. Um, you know, it's mm. it's uh, the, the windy conditions there. So you can follow what's happening at Madrid 2019, the Youth World Championship, um, on archery.org, which is the World Archery website where you can find all sorts of cool info and some great shots of... Uh, Mete Gadzos and the others that we just talked about from Dean Alberga, the ace photographer of world archery. We got a local there, Mackenzie Weatherspoon, cadet women's compound, qualified eighth. Wow. Yeah. Big That's, shout out to her. All right. So she's really cool. She's. Uh, when you say local, you mean from Utah or? Yeah, she's from, um, I think they're in Lehigh. Wow. Yep. So what's up with, Le there must be something in the water in Lehigh. Cause we've had a few good shooters from there. Yeah. Linola came from Lehigh. Right. Linola had a baby last weekend. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, so, uh, she's working for the Easton center in Chula Vista, if I'm not mistaken. Here in Salt here, Lake. Here in Salt Lake. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Mackenzie doing well. Um, she's, uh, she's got a good head on her shoulders. She'll be all right. She's a little limited by her draw length, you know. She's she's on the shorter end of the spectrum, but uh, if it's windy, you know, of course that can be problematic. She just doesn't have the speed some of the other people might have, but she manages well, shoots well. Um, you know, Linda and I shot a little head-to-head -head match with her before before her trials. I I uh, would like to say I had you know a helping hand in her success but i it, it definitely isn't me well between you and linda which one do you think had the uh the bigger impact the uh, bigger influence i'm gonna go with her dad still <laughs> her dad's really supportive so probably a wise answer yeah. because it's probably the truth as well well from a you know whenever you're talking youth participating in the game mom, you know generally mom and dad or whoever you know the guardian is 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 foot in the bill so oh, yeah. like when i do the youth academy i try to address the parents too sure sure you know they, they're definitely uh, a part of the equation right huge part of the equation you know it's really interesting it, people say archery is an expensive sport and i say we'll go go race motocross for a weekend you know between the bike parts gas hospital bills archery looks pretty cheap thereafter you know, motorcycle so, racing, you could be spending $1,000 on a weekend just on tires. Yeah, easy. And, you know, my uh, my dad shoots sporting clays, you know, shotgun games. And it's not uncommon for them to shoot, you know, 300 rounds, maybe even more in a weekend. So you're looking at, for them, about $280 just in ammunition fees. You know, our ammunition is reusable. Yeah. Pull it out of the target. Every time we shoot it, cost per shot drops, mm -hmm. drops drops until it's no longer shootable it's almost like your arrows are free after the first 50 shots uh <laughs> i'm not going to suggest that to the, any of the parents at the youth academy but yeah it's interesting you know i i see here's here's where here's the real problem i see with this game it's the time commitment how can you freaking be a world cup competitor unless you are a full-time archer which 
is not that lucrative or you're young, like less than college age, right? Even college age kids run into the problems, but Casey comes to mind as somebody like that, right? I look at, well, like look at Mexico. When Linda was competing for Mexico, she'd go to trials and it'd be her at, you know, mid twenties, early thirties, depending on the year. And then a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds, like, and, and every year they're, they're talking like, oh yeah, we, you know, this, we're going to compete on Friday and Saturday. So every time you do a Friday competition, you eliminate people because people can't, they can't devote that kind of time off. You know, not people who want to compete recreationally at a few events and they still have a family. They want a vacation with them and they've got a job. You know, it's just, that's, that's the issue. Time is a bigger issue than money. By the I way, think. speaking of Mexico, um, in the same category as Mackenzie Weatherspoon, Mexico has three shooters in the top 11. Yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law coaches, I think at, at least one of them. I th- and the one that's number one, I think. But yeah, my brother-in-law's quite the coach. Is that so? Yeah. This it, would be Linda's brother? Yep. Yeah. Also so, named Ruben. Ruben Ochoa. Well, I know Ruben. No. Oh, I don't know Ruben. Not this Ruben. I'm thinking of Uncle Ruben, aren't I? Yes. Yeah. Which is actually her cousin. Yeah. And then her dad, also Ruben. It's a complicated thing. A lot of Rubens in the family. Complicated. A lot of Rubens, yeah. Complicated. If you uh, just yell Ruben, you'll get somebody's attention. <laughs> All right, then. Um, looking at, uh, looking at the other categories, you're not seeing the same, um, prominence, shall we say of Mexico. So clearly working with those specific, you know, in that specific category, I think he's got a, he's got a kid in uh, cadet compound men somewhere around fourth, mm-hmm. but Chan, he's got the best grip of anybody in archery. Best grip. Yes. Low torque. Just the best. What makes it good? Everything. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Sebastian I dub, Garcia. I that, yeah, so, uh, I think that's him. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's the only he's the only guy. Uh, there's a couple of fellas, uh, uh, Rodrigo Gonzalez and uh, Luis Lezama, twenty second and twenty third respectively. Not coached by my brother. Right, but uh, yeah. So it seems like uh, there's some action from Mexico. I am yeah. not going to be surprised if we look down this line of kids' names that we're seeing on this thing, compound cadets. Five years from now, we're going to see some of these kids in World Cup finals. You know, it was interesting as I was looking at results as they were rolling in this morning, and it's always showing who has the world record on the live info system. And it's always a name that I see today. You know, I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, that's the kid who is now crushing on the senior level. Right. So, you know, one of them, uh, Stefan Hansen. Obviously, Sarah Lopez, she broke that record. By the way, a great arrow twirler, Stefan Hansen. Top-level arrow twirler. He's one of the top arrow twirlers in the world. He was. As far as twirling goes, he's still there. I mean. Still twirls. Unallowed. What do you think? Do you think he'll stop shooting NFAA events? Do you think top shooters will will start shying away from the NFAA? Just like Antonio Brown was going to retire from the NFL because he couldn't wear his helmet, I was considering retirement from archery because I couldn't twirl my new black front x 2318s and wait no i can't twirl those it's my 2712s at nfaa events i will not be able to twirl you won't get that imagine the stroboscopic effect you could have got you could have had silver black silver black silver black silver black it's gone can't twirl my my rx7s blue silver blue silver blue silver blue silver. gone what a loss everything we've worked for 
everything we've strived for, everything that's been, everything we've tried to do to make archery more interesting and accessible to the common man. One of us is probably going to lose an eye from an arrow twirler now. It'd be just bad karma. I think it's time for the end of the show. (laughs) 